Catch new episodes of Dial the Gate weekends at youtube.com slash dial the gate. And for the latest schedule, visit dialthegate.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Dial the Gate. My name is David Reed. Thanks so much for joining us. This episode, we have GateWorld Managing Editor and Founder Darren Sumner to join us to discuss the 12 things we want from Stargate, i.e. the next Stargate series, SG-4. Uh, this is going to be a relatively lengthy discussion, so I hope you're prepared to uh, go down some esoteric rabbit holes, as it were, to explore some of the the uh, more specific nooks and crannies of what uh, the Brad Wright Stargate universe had to offer us, and uh, what we can uh, what we can mine from it for for future storytelling. But before we get started, if you like Stargate and want to see more content like this on YouTube, it would mean a great deal if you click the like button. It really makes a difference with YouTube's algorithm and will definitely help the show grow its audience. And please also consider sharing this video with a Stargate friend. And if you want to get notified about future episodes, click the subscribe icon. Giving the bell icon a click will notify you the moment a new video drops and you'll get my notifications of any last minute guest changes. This is key if you plan on watching live. And clips from this live stream will be released over the course of the next several days and weeks on our YouTube channels. Without further ado, let's go ahead and bring in Darren Sumner to discuss the uh, things that we want out of another Stargate series. Let's bring him in. Darren Sumner, GateWorld's owner and managing editor, founder, the founder. Welcome back, sir. How you doing? The founder. I just finished watching Deep Space Nine, and now I'm all confused <laughs> by being called the founder. Founder. I am glad to be back on Dial the Gate. How are you, good sir? I am well. I am very well. So we should probably advise, like, Brad Wright should not watch this because... The, oh, know, this is probably going to make, yeah, creators yeah, do angry. not unsolicited. This is unsolicited. You know, it's one of the things you know, people would approach Brad and Rob at conventions and be like, I have this idea. And they're like, stop right there. We can't hear it. We cannot listen to it. You know, just don't. So um, just putting that out there, uh, you know. Yeah. And we, as far we as don't what expect we, them to. What we want from a fourth live action in canon Stargate TV series I know for my part, there's going to be some looking backwards as well as looking forwards. So, yeah, this is this is a by the fans for the fans. Exactly right. You know, we love you, Brad, and we're looking forward to seeing whatever you create. Exactly right. I would say so. All right. So we have devised a system whereby uh, we I think it's pretty cool. We've devised a system whereby we don't know what each other's um, topics are for the new series, but have also put in a fail-safe so that we don't overlap. So if you look really closely, you, we'll may, see you may see that. So let's see how it goes. This will be an interesting experiment. Right. I'm going to do the even-numbered countdown questions. Okay. Or, or questions. Countdown um, what I would like to see. In a in a in SG four, and then Darren will do his odd numbered countdowns. So, and we've got uh, some uh, honorable mentions as well. Actually, you know what? Let's get to the honorable mentions first. Does that sound good? Sounds good. Okay. So before we really get into the thick of these, uh, what's one of your first? Uh, how many honorable mentions do you have? I have four here. Okay, so I have three. So go ahead with your. Okay, four. let me go first. To be honest, I thought for our main list, I thought big picture. Mm-hmm. I thought kind of the how to approach a TV show and 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 the in universe world. So these are more specific. My honorable mentions. Oh, okay. Well, you're gonna find number, out my later ones are more specific. So this will be interesting. Number one, uh, I want to see another galaxy. We ah. saw lots of Milky Way. We saw lots of Pegasus. And then we saw Destiny is kind of skipping like a stone across many, many galaxies. Uh, But how about the Andromeda galaxy? And I'm thinking about this, not just because Andromeda gets brought up a lot by fans, but because... galaxy. You look at the timeline. You look at the fact that the ancients 
were around for millions of years. They had been living in the Milky Way galaxy for a very long time. And then they went to Pegasus many millions of years ago. Yeah. That's a ridiculous yeah. amount of time. Someone so went and studied Andromeda. I like the idea. Even if the, uh, you know, the Lanteans or some other kind of subgroup didn't settle in the Andromeda galaxy. Yep. I like the idea that, oh, maybe they spent 100,000 years kind of kicking around and putting up new Stargates over there. But they kind of never got around to using them. So there could be a whole Stargate network in another galaxy, uh, potentially with populated worlds. But I don't want to show that just goes there permanently, like Atlantis, and just explores one galaxy. So my suggestion is that Atlantis has found their hidden ZPM room. <laughs> and Earth can now uh, dial eight Chevron addresses whenever they want. So we can dial to one of these planets in the Andromeda galaxy uh, and then bring along a single-use Mark 11 Nequadria generator and be home in time for supper. So a new frontier. Absolutely. But still based in our galaxy. Hmm. Diana Botsford and I created a, a, a six-book um, treatment called Stargate Oblivion. That was set in in a galaxy in the local group called Segway One, which is believed at the time. May, I don't know if it is still to uh, have the highest concentration of dark matter uh, in in the known galaxies. Uh, and there was a Stargate network there, which had interesting issues because of the dark matter. But yeah, this is very similar. Hmm. So yeah, for you sure, can do all kinds of interesting things. All like kinds. That. I agree. Make a galaxy that's really different than ours. Yep. There we go. All right. One of my honorable mentions, Atlantis was destroyed, saving the Pegasus galaxy from the Wraith. Oh, Atlantis is gone, which cancels out yours, um, your previous one. Poetic justice on behalf of the ancients, if you think about it. So I think that there, there is a, a story symmetry to this. Uh, whether personnel were on board or not is up for grabs. I would probably say no. But I think I, Atlantis has existed forever. You yeah, know? what's the symmetry? Uh, the ancients created the wraith. Uh, their their crown jewel has to be given up to to resolve that threat. Mm. That's the symmetry. Okay. <laughs> I like the symmetry. I'm not going to endorse the destruction of Atlantis in public. <laughs> I'll draw and quarter me along with you, but I like the symmetry. <laughs> okay, here's my next That's honorable funny. mention. This All one's right. really specific. I gotta see the aliens from the Daedalus variations. Okay. Remember these guys, the gray yep. skin? Joe and I just talked about them. Yep. Bank ships. Uh, I gotta know who they are. The, the version that we encountered is, is from a parallel reality. So does that race exist in our galaxy? Are they nice? <laughs> Maybe in our galaxy. They're Maybe. really nice. Maybe their so, little, their little uh, red uh, headpieces are, are green. And green means... They're and friendly, green, so they're, don't get them friendly. red. They're friendly. They still look exactly the same, but yeah. they're, they're friendly. The comics oh, did something with them, didn't they? The who? The comics did something with them, didn't they? Yeah. They did. They showed up in the Atlantis comics. Did they name them? Uh, I have not read all the Atlantis okay. comics. I don't I know the answer. It's got to be a one-syllable species name. The Gork mm. or something. Grr. Uh, yeah. The Gur. <laughs> so here's my theory. Okay. In our reality, this species was infected by a parasitic snake-like creature with delusions of civility. <laughs> Turned them into peace-loving beatniks determined to spread peace and love to the galaxy. Ah, there we go. <laughs> me, grr. Me not throw rock. <laughs> Jeez. All right. Very good. Uh, another one for me. Um Destiny finished its mission thanks to the Icarus team. This is long. I apologize, but I wanted to explain myself. Destiny has finished its mission thanks to the Icarus team. And the full data package of the cosmic background data is in its core. We found out that while Destiny was traveling, it was actually collecting the data and piecing it together rather than going to an ultimate source. Okay, so now Destiny is a giant computer that holds this. It holds it. But the nature of the cosmic background data has yet to be truly explained because we humans in our present state of development uh, 
any of us who have tried have gone insane trying to process its some knowledge. So Destiny made it back uh, via something similar to Wormhole Drive, but it has been kept in an undisclosed location. We keep it nearby in the event humans evolve to a point Hmm. where we are able to assimilate the data ourselves. So, because everybody who goes on board Destiny and flips on the computer terminal uh-huh. goes mad. Yes, the ancients, the ancients were meant to discover it for themselves, um, and they their brain power could handle it. Someone like O'Neill could maybe potentially handle it, but we were too early, we, we were too young. So, I like the idea that there are just some things, and I mean, it, it makes the, the question of, of yeah. sacrifice and and the Destiny's crew and everything else an issue. But I like the idea that there are some journeys that we're just not ready to take yet. And I don't think that that's the message that, that Brad and Rob were, were, were putting out with Universe. I just think that this is an interesting notion. Yeah, and the Universe is bigger than we are. Universe is bigger than we are. We are not gods. We yeah. think that we are on this Earth. You know, we think, oh, we've got it figured out. We have to do this, and then everything will be perfect. No, 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 no. The odds of exactly what we want happening, happening, and nothing else are zero. <laughs> so, I like from a storytelling point of view, um, the if this is in continuity with with the existing canon, uh, I like the idea that you you really need to provide some answer to the big questions like that. But Stargate Universe was canceled and you just you can't make season three of Stargate Universe necessarily to try and answer that question unless Amazon wants to. Amazon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amazon. Uh, so your solution is really elegant because it, it provides some closure without giving away all the answers of what five seasons of SGU would have given us. Right. We leave it for the future. We don't want to come across Nicholas Rush. And have somebody say to him, oh, what was Destiny's mission? And he just says, uh, God, we found God. Right. Now we've got to move on with the episode. Yep, exactly. I, I want to make that mission remain tantalizing and something that they may be able to use down the road. You know, that my, my ultimate goal here is to give Brad and whoever else he's with a, a, an opportunity to weave it into the story at a future time perfectly based on whatever he is working on but leave the destiny don't leave exactly what you said don't leave the destiny mission to to a one-off line continue to make it you know uh mystical if you will yeah yeah Yeah. any other honorable mentions by you i have two more okay uh I think this, you and I might disagree on this point. I think that if a show is set in the here and now, if it's set, say, in 2022, uh, I'm thinking I want to keep the Stargate program a secret, at least for now. That was kind of the big next step. You know, Brad wrote a a movie script that was going to reveal the Stargate. Um, Public knowledge is going to open up new avenues of storytelling. Yeah, but when we're trying to get this show, the franchise up and running again after a decade, I'm not sure that I want to spend a whole lot of time on Earth in Senate chambers having political arguments about what this thing is. And, you know, there's 20 minutes with the IOA. Those are important parts of the fabric of the Stargate universe. But I worry that a public Stargate program is going to, again, take our, our attention away from the Stargates and from off-world exploration. Does that make sense? The- it does, except for the fact that, you know, the program has now been running for, what, 20, 25 years. Now we've got God knows how many spaceships. The IOA isn't going to dry up and blow away. So you're going to have yeah. to create a story where you sidestep the IOA. Not even necessarily sidestep. Um, I'm not thinking of, of they're going to be involved. less involvement than they used to. Okay. They can certainly have more involvement, but... I think there's a temptation, if, if we have a public Stargate program, you know, you think of episodes like 2010 with the, the future timeline where the Stargate is just kind of in a public travel terminal. Uh, <laughs> that's really cool. And you can do some really interesting things with that, right? There's, you know, the, the three o'clock wormhole to Chulak is about to open. <laughs> um, and I think there's also, there's, there would be a temptation to tell lots of earthbound stories, and which is what I, do that. what I'm nervous about. The, the gate itself gets eclipsed. 
Hmm. That's fair. By people fighting over the game. That's fair. Interesting. Yeah. Well, uh, one of my uh, one of my ideas is going to kind of turn that around. So I'll, I'll get to that in a moment here. Okay. But uh, what's your last one? Uh, last but not least, before we get into the big list, uh, in a fourth Stargate show, I want to see Walter in his chair. <laughs> Walter sitting in his chair, calling out chevrons, uh... should be one great constant in the universe. <laughs> <laughs> Gary Jones will thank you. Gary Jones, I'm thinking you. about you. Uh, and I've, I worked out some story ideas here, if you want to hear them. Okay. By episode four, we learned that Walter has been taking an experimental form of tritonin designed for middle-aged human males to combat male pattern baldness and erectile dysfunction. (laughs) As a side effect, he has become immortal. There can be only one. Walter. (laughs) That's ridiculous, man. (laughs) Yes, you must write the rest of that out. It's like yeah, uh, it's, your, your it's already April, halfway to fan fiction. Your April Fool's gag. Was it an April Fool's gag where you did the Wormhole Extreme Season 1? Oh, yeah. yeah. That was... Oh, man. That was ages ago. Water water and fire. I did Dr. a whole Levant, episode. A, a fire breaks out in, wa- wa- in uh, Dr. Levant's office and he puts it out. <laughs> <laughs> I did a whole... As an April Fool's, I did... Uh, a whole season one episode guide for Wormhole Extreme, and they were all paralleled to to SG One season one. The only episode. April Fool's gag that we did, uh, you know, that's the yeah. kind of thing I wish we had done more of. Enigma, so. Lieutenant Enig's mother comes to the SGC for a visit. <laughs> <laughs> they were not funny, but it was Enigma. <laughs> Well, you were trying to figure it out. Okay. With the honorable mentions out of the way, let's go ahead and get to uh, the 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 12 that we really, really mean <laughs> about what we'd like to see in SG4. The cream of the crop. This is this is, this is what we won't want to see most from the new show. Yes. All righty. So I have the, the even-numbered um, uh, uh, wish That means list. you're going second. So I'm going first. Because starting at 12 and working our way down. Oh, we're counting down. We're counting down. Yeah. All right. I have to make this extremely complicated. Or it's complicated. All right. Should I reverse my order then? No, I won't reverse my order. Um, Whichever is the most impactful one, you know, keep that to to the last. And, you know, I'm interested to see which ones filter out where because, you know, we could have put really like anything. And I, I wanted to be unconventional. And one of mine follows, uh, the first one kind of follows with a theme, and with fans listening, they're either going to like it or they're not. And I don't expect them to. But this is what I would like to see in order to keep the franchise fresh. That's intriguing setup. You're about to make half the audience angry. It's entirely, probably more than half. (laughs) Number 12, you ready for this? Yep. SG4 should be set around... 2070 with the stargate a future show slightly with the stargate and aliens as public knowledge okay so we have a twofer here we have a future setting and a public stargate program on earth Mm -hmm. so what's the case for this for the next show stargate has always been about the here and now and i understand that and i appreciate that I think later on in this century is still close enough to the here and now that it's still relevant to us, but you can take advantage of technological advances, um, uh, thematic advances in sci-fi storytelling, and you can have the um, uh, certain things fixed, which I will get to in a little bit later, that were were, uh, plot holes while still leaving room in the present for additional individual stories, i.e., you know, DVD movies or feature films, what off, uh, in the present. But I would personally really like to see a time shift change. And everyone's go-to is prequels. Well, we had that with Stargate Origins, you know, and I would really, you know, I it's I, unpopular opinion, I, I suspect, but I would really appreciate just nudging it a few years ahead. And I was thinking about that. Well, when are we going to do that? And it's like, well, everyone's thinking Jack Sam Teal'c, Shepard McKay, you know, young Scott, you know, I, uh, well, I mean, 
we'll get there. Let's let's just say that down the list. Well, yeah, we're going to need in that case to think creatively about how to get our favorite actors and our favorite characters put in guest appearances. Exactly. Next Generation did this, of course. They had to think really hard about it. You had to have Scotty stuck in a transporter buffer. You had to have, well, Spock as a Vulcan. He's very, very long lived Mm -hmm. in order to bring one off characters into the into the next generation. That's what you'd be faced with here if you want Amanda or David Hewlett to put in a guest appearance. I think it's more important that the 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 the, uh, the bones of the show take precedence to uh, of quality. Take uh, in terms of what they can do next. Take precedence over uh, who we can see coming back because that's at least fifty percent of the agenda in all the fans' minds. It's like who can we get back? Yeah, and. I want a new show by Brad Wright that takes place in his universe that is completely new. What's your number 11? Number 11. Uh, This relates directly to what we were just talking about, almost as though we had planned it. (laughs) Again, I've not heard these. I've not heard these. Uh, Number 11, I want a new team. Okay. Now, a new show is going to have lots of fan service it's, it, it, if it's created by Brad and it's written by Brad and it's set in the same universe. Uh, it's going to have callbacks. It's going to have, hopefully, those familiar faces popping up. But I want a new team. I want a, a group of youngsters, maybe a bunch of unknown actors. Uh, and I want a team that is, right, what I mean by this is not just an SG-1 reunion not just getting those actors back for a movie or for a a whole TV series. Um, A team that is diverse, that has different kinds of characters, right? So uh, ethnically diverse, yes. Gender diverse, yes. But I also mean like civilians and military, humans and aliens, right? That kind of classic formula of SG-1 that I keep going back to over and over again. There's only four characters on SG-1, but there was such an interesting cross-section that every character was different to write for. You could you could tell, you could hear it from the scripts. Mm. When a piece of dialogue came up, there was an obvious character who should say that piece of dialogue. Mm-hmm. Jack or Sam or Daniel or Teal'c. Mm-hmm. Well, you know how they would respond, you know, given the opportunity to have the next line. You know, in the script, it's like, okay, we, we have an idea of who's going to say what here. But the question is, you know, which of them in, in, in the, will the script service? That's it. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I love the idea of always having an alien on the team because you have to have that, that mirror pointing back to humanity. That was, that was what was always effective about Teal'c and Taylor was that you have, okay, why do you get to be Mr. Fantastic? For someone who has no context, you know, <laughs> those, those kinds of questions. And Teal'c's, I mean, on and on. But yeah, that's a... Are, yeah, so you're indicating Oprah? here that... You I am know, not Lucy. Sorry again? What is an Oprah? I am not what Lucy. What is an Oprah? I'm not Lucy. Yes, exactly right. You refer to me as Lucy. Um, you've, so what you're saying here is you don't want any... Primarily out of this, you don't want any uh, classic actors to be... Uh, one of one of the placeholders on the team. One of the main cast members, I would say. Now, there's a good argument to be made for like a General Carter being in charge of the base. Okay. Uh, if you could get Amanda on a semi-permanent basis. But uh, for the core team, I think it should be brand new characters. Yeah. And I think there should be a mix of, right, not just all young people who are fresh out of Stargate Academy, uh, but a mix of, you know, the seasoned vets and the youngster You've got your your uh, Jack O'Neill with his black ops background. You've got an Aiden Ford who's a demolitions expert and and a kind of a young brash kid. That kind of mix and diversity, but but mainly new characters is my point. Okay. New characters so that the the characters that we know and love have a supporting role. Okay, I think we can both hang our hats on that. Absolutely, good number eleven. Okay, number ten. Establish Stargate Command in the Asteroid Belt as part of an Earth defense perimeter. Oh, and not on Earth. Not on Earth, not on the moon. It could have been on the moon, but I'm talking around circa 2070 here. Um, So I think the belt would be a reason. I have not seen the expanse. 
I have not seen. I was heard say you need to watch the expanse. Well, I keep it's on my you. no. It, it, I, one that sits finished, I'll watch it absolutely unquestionably. Yeah. But uh, so I know that there's something to do with the belt in that series. But um, this is not born out of that. Uh, but yeah, it's. I think that that's. You know, I think that that's a good a good place to um, uh, establish a, a defense perimeter around Earth, especially if we've you know have the ability to manipulate gravity and, you know, can throw some rocks at some rather large aliens that try and come our way. We have an unlimited supply of ammunition. That would be very cool. I love, if it's a a future series, I love the idea that it's not set on Earth, that it's not just, you know, we have a different base. We're going to build a new set and make it look a little more futuristic. Right. That it's actually not on the surface of the Earth. That's exactly right. That's really intriguing. Now, you might have to throw down with the Expanse folks, because once you get to about the third season of the show, you're going to see uh, there's some some potential, uh, I don't want to say intellectual infringement, but uh, the ideas here are overlapping. Oh, okay. So it's not likely that they would go for this? Belters and Stargates overlap a bit between these shows. Really? All right. Interesting. Oh, you're going to love it. Oh, I know I will. I know I will. But I want it to be done. You know, yeah. like Breaking Bad. Then I'll mow it down. And Fringe, I did the same thing. Sure. It's not going anywhere. I mean, the, the what? The last season's being produced right now, isn't it? Or second to last? Uh, the Expanse? Yeah. 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 They, they say season six is going to be the last mm-hmm. for now. The writers want to do more down the road. And there's something in the story that allows them to, you know, do potentially more later. So that's fine by me. But yeah, that's uh, yeah. So let's. I think Stargate Command needs to be in the belt. I, okay, I don't you're think filling out this future Stargate: The Next Generation idea. I like it. Okay, what's your number nine? Number nine is the red thread of continuity. The now, red thread. The red thread of continuity. Now, David, you and I have been friends for a long time. We've been talking Pleasure. on on uh, Gate World and Dow the Gate for years about Stargate, and you know that. I love continuity. I love the show making references back to previous episodes, previous seasons, rewarding viewers for paying attention. It is safe to say that we are continuity whores. Continuity whores. So what I want to see from a new show that comes from Brad Wright that is continuing rather than rebooting his universe is uh, elements and actors and characters callbacks to the Stargate that we know and love. Of course, don't pretend that it doesn't exist. And I don't just mean, you know, bring on McKay for a guest appearance. Uh, answer those questions that the show's left us with. Where's Atlantis? What happened to the crew of the Destiny, etc.? Show me that the past matters. That's what this boils down to for me. Show me that those 17 seasons that I invested in are still informing this universe. That we're telling new stories. In. I think that I, I would surmise that... That's pretty much a guarantee, you know, in this. In if it's this, a Brad show, I think it's If a it's a Brad show. It's not a reboot, yeah. Right. What do you think about the news about Amazon? Well, that's a pretty high intrigued. number if that's true. If that's true, because they were looking to sell, what, at $8 billion? And what's, $6 billion. Well, with Apple, that, was, that was the, the rumor before the ousting. Yeah, right. so they were toying around, reportedly, they were toying around with the idea of $6 billion sale to Apple in 2018. And the chief of MGM was allegedly negotiating this without permission from MGM's board, and he got mm. ousted. Uh, then the the uh, impacts of coronavirus has obviously mm. challenged MGM's business model quite a lot, everybody else as well. So... It kind of felt heading into 2021, if they could get $6 billion for the company in 2021, that would be a win. But Amazon's talking about now maybe spending close to $9 billion. If that's right, it's I, I think it should be a done deal. Yeah. It, it yeah. should be full steam ahead. The, the next, next few days will be certainly interesting. Yeah. All right. It's entirely possible that this gets announced before this, this episode of Dalvagate goes up. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll see. I mean, that's, yeah, it's uh, just a few days from now. So it's entirely yeah. possible that that's the case. If MGM announced, uh, Amazon and MGM announce uh, a deal's going through, then then it, I think it's just a question of timing. What do you Sorry, think? It's the, a big, ripe franchise that's ready for something new. I, I completely agree with that. And I, I think that Amazon will recognize that. My concern is that I am feeling 
50-50 on Amazon that Stargate will want that Amazon will want to either proceed with Brad or start all over again with someone else. I have, I have a 50-50 suspicion on that. So we'll it's have a good to question. It. It's if the deal goes through, it's time for Stargate fans to start laying on the pressure again. Yeah, absolutely. A whole campaign uh, that says we want a new show set in this universe and yeah. not a reboot. Yep. That needs, that's a message that needs to be loud. Loud and clear. Absolutely. All right. Very good number nine. Yes, absolutely. Uh, the past matters for sure. Yes. We're ready for number eight. Number eight. <clears throat> Hyperspace travel was destroyed by something similar to the Atero device. Hyperspace travel, completely, for everyone. For everyone. Hyperspace travel was destroyed. It may have been a last-ditch effort to stop the Wraith in their tracks. Who knows? Um, But Earth now builds its own Stargates and Supergates using newly found intact subspace frequencies to move about the galaxy. So only Stargates, unless if you want to take a ship somewhere, you you can build a Supergate. Mm-hmm. And there's presumably going to be a much more limited number of these. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. So we get rid of hyperspace. And if we want to go somewhere now, we have to have... Um, you have to have a Stargate or a Supergate super to do it. It's one of the reasons that I wanted to set it when I set it is because I want the next Stargate to be a humanity-created gate. Hmm. That's not really I something that we've even considered. Build. <clears throat> no, the Stargate's always been built by the ancients. It's always been found to... Not always. Both, both well, for the I mean, Tari the, and for the Goa'u that the, was found. Um, to- that's true. The Tolan built one. You know, so That's we, 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 the Ori built, uh, built, uh, the, the gate, a gate network completely independently. I mean, yeah. uh, and then Melia, was that. it, what was it? Melius? What was his name? The, the Ori, the, uh, the Ori, the Stargate inventor? Uh, Nilus, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Either that, I just watched it yesterday. I might've heard it mispronounced because I, I went to check the Omnipedia and I couldn't find it under N. So I might've misheard it. Mm-hmm. See here. Designer was um, Amelius. Amelius. Yeah, okay. Yeah. There we go. So the he he was already on the way out the door with his ship, you know, flying into space. The Ori went ahead and invent. So I think it's one of those to get kind of back around to the point of it. Um, uh, scientific inevitabilities. I think that's one of the things that that wormhole that we that we discover wormhole travel after tinkering with it. Uh, and I think it's time for Earth to start building our own. You know, once we discovered certain technologies and acquired technologies from the Asgard, mm-hmm. uh, our scientists got really good at repurposing it and mm-hmm. making different versions of it and miniaturizing it. I'm working on a video right now for GateWorld for next month on the Nakwita generator. This mm-hmm. starts with the Orbanian device and then mm-hmm. it gets adapted and improved by Earth. Uh, so I like the idea if it's set... 2070 makes it almost 75 years after uh, we've opened the Stargate that at at that point we have enough NACWDA and enough know-how, enough astrophysics talent that maybe we could do that. Yep. That's very next gen. Yep. That's the intent there. And I wanted to get rid of hyperspace. Uh, Yeah. Or maybe the Nox can help us because the the Nox Nox are still around and the Nox helped the Tolan build their gate. That's true too. That's true too. So the the whole a big point of this one is to return to basics. So take this take this back to some more fundamental. It's not to say that hyperspace travel can't be, but I really wanted to curtail it with this one and bring it back to the gates. So yeah. maybe wormhole drive is still a thing because so Atlantis used wormhole drive off screen. If it's still a thing, I think it needs to be explained. It yeah. Needs to be fleshed out. Oh man, yeah, exactly. You have a number seven. Number seven is, uh, uh, well, this is the point where people start to furrow their eyebrows and say, okay, you guys clearly planned this in advance. Um, Earth needs a setback or maybe multiple setbacks, which I think is exactly what you're going for by disabling hyperspace. We need to get back to basics. We need to get back to a point where the stargates are important, are central. Mm. Uh, But let me just kind of, riff on what i've written here okay earth has had ships for 20 years 
Mm-hmm. By this point now, I'm I'm presuming a show that is set in the present day. So a, a show that comes out in 2022 would be set around 2022. If that's when the show is set, Earth has had ships for 20 years. Mm-hmm. They've had Asgard tech for most of that. We can blast through Ori ships. We can beam SG teams in and out of danger at will. We are, say it with me, OP. OPAF. Earth is overpowered. So we need <laughs> belt a setback now uh, this is a this is a challenge for the writers right so in season nine and ten the sg1 writers dealt with the the power that earth had by creating a new antagonist in the ori who were even more superpower you have to up the vastly more powerful than the yeah. goa um but let's think around that by dealing our heroes a setback something like the the destruction of hyperspace like you suggested something that prevents us from using our asgard tech you know the beaming technology uh it's going back into an r&d phase because too many people got their molecules scattered across the atmosphere uh, something maybe that separates our heroes from stargate command that was the solution to this problem that sgu wrote there's a distance between our op home base and our heroes who were out on destiny and atlanta season one yeah it's one atlanta of the reasons season- i think atlanta season one was as good as it was in terms of, of storytelling and i wish that they had extended it further was that we were out of contact you know yeah we need to create some sort of scarcity yeah. that makes it hard again to go out there and explore and make friends and fight enemies it needs to be hard again it needs to be a challenge uh, otherwise I would say a, a contemporary setting is irrelevant. It doesn't need to be 2022. If we are as powered as we are now mm. in 2022 in the Stargate universe, it might as well be set in 2070. It might as mm. well be a next generation show because it's not really us anymore. Right. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yep. And I to, to add, th- I think that, that's, that that piggybacks exactly on what I was saying a minute ago and is going to piggyback on what I'm going to say in the next one. And I also want to add to mine I don't want to just use human gates. Uh, the Milky Way gate system is still intact. The Pegasus gate system may still be intact. It'd be nice to have uh, a gate that, that can easily connect to all gates in the, in the ancestral line of Stargate. So still going to planets and discovering you know, new forms of life and everything like that would be key in mind. But no, I think you're absolutely right. We have been so um, cushioned by the tech that... Uh, we have uh, uh, come upon and reverse engineered and everything else that you're going to need some kind of, and I suspect that this will be the, this will be a case in some form, truly, some kind of curtailing uh, to make the show uh, f- uh, interesting and uh, unique in its own in its own right. So, because I mean, there, there's going to be cir- circumstances where if you don't, fans of this new show, and we want fans of of this new show to be fans only of this new show at first and discover the older shows later. I want new fans to find this thing. This is not just for us. That's pretty yeah. egotistical to, we want fans to go in and say, how did you, I don't want, I don't want them to go in and say, how did humanity get that? You know, where did this come from? You know, I want it to make as much sense to them as possible so that they don't yeah. have to come online and say, okay, please explain this for me. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And this is kind of my response to, you know, I, I say I don't want the new show to be just fan service. Mm-hmm. Um, I want I want lots of fan service. Come on. <laughs> I don't want to show that's just fan service because it uh, it needs to be a jumping on point for a whole new generation mm-hmm. of fans. It needs to be accessible. Absolutely. Yep. We got to do it. To piggyback kind of off of that in terms of curtailing the uh, environment and the story. Uh, this is this is leaning into what SGU I think did and was was doing fairly well. Um, number six for me, no series long villain. Um, no series long villain. No series long villain. Only villains which can last from one episode to a couple of seasons. Uh, I want the the. Uh, the inciting element to adventure and to you know conflict to be us 
not necessarily within the team, you know, and within the base. But I think that, you know, there's a, there is, with watching what happened with the trust and everything else, and I, this may be leaning into the expanse, um, there is potential here for alien uh, villains, but also uh, uh, authoritarian humans, corporatists, fundamentalists. I think that, you know, once, once by this time we'll have gotten our tendrils out into the galaxy and into the wider cosmos, established ourselves on, you know, Omega site, uh, Z site, whatever, you know. Yeah, uh, Earth colonies. Earth colonies all over the place. And we'll start um, uh, uh, jockeying for resources. You know what? They'll they'll get themselves settled on a planet. Oops, sorry, never mind. Oh, wait, we're trapped. Now we have something to fight for, you know. And we're cut off from the gate network. Because, or we're cut off from the wider community with, without any – if we don't have the Stargates, we don't, we don't have hyperspace travel. Um, you, you need, we need a, we need a super gate. So things like that. Yeah. Like- and over time, I mean, then the Novans came to identify themselves as Novans, not as right. Terrans or Tauri. They weren't. Yeah. Eventually. So absolutely. Yeah. Expanse is similar in that you've got human beings from earth who are now kind of scattered throughout the solar system. So there are different factions, different homeworlds for humans. And apparently it makes for interesting drama. It's interesting. Maybe I really need to watch The Expanse. Maybe I, my, my list would be a little different. Yeah, but... don't wait for season six. <laughs> you know I will, though. <laughs> Talk about Isn't someone who, who waited for the end of Lost. What now? Isn't this The Expanse podcast? Is that what I signed up to plug? I, I guess so. You know, It could be the next big thing that we do. Number five. Well, uh, speaking of the expanse and speaking of uh, <laughs> a new Stargate show potentially crazy. ending up on Amazon, I want to drop us out of the in-universe storytelling and world building for a second and talk about the the release strategy for this show. If it goes on Amazon or Netflix or anywhere else, you know what? I've been thinking about this for a long time and I really want one episode to drop each week. I don't want to get 10 or 13 episodes all at once. Uh, there's a lot of reasons for that. That's that's what the uh, Expanse does. That's what Amazon does with the Expanse. This is a weekly dole out. Uh, I think time plays a really big role in the viewing experience. My experience with TV shows, now I love certain shows that I've been able to just binge, right, and blow through a season in a weekend. But you don't get to sit with it. Five seasons in a, in a month. But, uh, you know, the advantage of watching a show weekly is you get to live in the world. Mm-hmm. You get to think about it. You get to know the characters. You have time to rewatch something. Uh, go online and talk about it with other fans. And just kind of live in the space a little bit more than I do with shows that I binge. Mm-hmm. So I want one episode a week. No full season dumps. And I, that's all the more important, I think, with a show that is potentially going to be 10 episodes or 13 episodes for a season on a streaming platform. Uh, let's make it appointment television. Mm-hmm. Must see TV. That's what I was thinking again. I that I haven't sat down and watched a show on a regular basis since Game of Thrones on a week-to-week basis. It ha- I, haven't, I haven't had must-see television since then. And you're right. You know, when, uh, when these uh, shows get dumped online, the discussion is, okay, most, most of the discussion is wh- when's the next season, you know? Um, and there is yeah, some it, discussion about individual episodes, but you're not, we're not all dangling by a thread and there is some utility in that to, to, uh, fostering the fandom. Yeah. I could see the argument from the other side as well. A show like stranger things doesn't just live in the zeitgeist for a weekend. Uh, but not everybody can be stranger things the way that that hit the zeitgeist. Mm-hmm. Um, most shows, you know, we watch most sci-fi and fantasy that drops on the streaming platforms on Netflix and elsewhere. And we'll we'll really, we'll spend a week with it. And then I don't see something like Shadow and Bone talked about for the rest of the year. It's just, okay, are they going to do another season? Right. Exactly. Is it gone or is it back? It's a fair point. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. If there's another Stargate, it needs to be weekly. I agree. I want a reason to sit down and have appointment television again. Yeah. 
I have more specific ones uh, going in uh, to uh, wrap things up here on the last few. Uh, Number four. This is more of a next generation callback, and I think you'll see the utility in it. Number four. Make a Goa'uld turned Tok'ra or a non-feeding Wraith a member of the core cast. Not just a Tok'ra, but a Goa'uld who has turned Tok'ra? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Why the distinction there? Because I want to establish... Um, that with the right uh, thinking, the right technology, the right persuasion, like the like the Klingons were, uh, no one is beyond redemption. I like that. I like uh, characters like Jonas's girlfriend in Fallout. Mm-hmm. What was her name? Kiana Seer. She was a Goa. You got it. <laughs> That's right. Of course I did. Yeah. She was a Goa Uld. She wasn't a Tok'ra, but she had certain sympathies, right? Sympathies toward Jonas. Right. So um, much for my empire. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she had her own agenda for sure, but she was not a, a two-dimensional mustache twirling villain. Right. And I love the idea that now decades after the fall of the Goa Uld empire, mm-hmm. there's still Gould out there who are trying to Correct. figure out how to be in this galaxy. I, I want I, I want a modern Egeria. Mm. Or a Wraith that has had his Hangina closed up and is now, you know, the species now exists. Um, it was almost Todd. Able to, right, consume their own, consume nutrients just like everyone else. We know that they do. We know that they can. Um, but their life is now sustained based on some form of of biological or organic uh, uh, biomatter rather than yes, yeah, life essence sucking. It's a technology that our heroes yeah. were working on yep. in, in the first decade of the 21st century. Mm-hmm. So it didn't work the first time. It went horribly wrong with Todd and his crew in infection. But yep. why not by 2070? We've got that cracked. I, I would honestly think that, you know, had Atlantis continued... That's an approach that would have that would have ultimately resolved the show. The the, the wraith would have made peace because we've already had the gold annihilated. We've already largely yeah. we've already had the replicators annihilated. I don't think the answer was that wraith were going to be annihilated. You know, that's yeah. we're we're kind of we're kind of our our key keyboard key is kind of getting stuck. Um, yeah. And I think that in that situation, their palm suckers just would have been gone. Um, or you know they the race would have been uh, in a position where they could have they had to decide between one or the other. Um, so that feeds back into resolution for past stories, making the past relevant. Um, not necessarily. Um, yeah, I like that. A member of the the uh, the expedition team that goes out week after week, but a member of the core cast, like at the base, a Zelenka, if you will. Okay, a key supporting character who's right. in 50% of the episode. They only have so much utility. You know, the, the Worf started off as number nine of nine among the cast, really, and yeah. worked his way up after Armus and everything else. So, you know. Although I do really like the idea of a main cast member who is under prosthetics yep. or in some way is, right, an alien member of the team who doesn't just look like a human being with a tattoo on their forehead. Yep. I think one of the most successful elements of Discovery is Doug Jones as Saru. He is the most convincing alien I have ever seen in a, in terms of a regular Star Trek cast member. Oh, yeah. I have my issues with Discovery. Lives into it but fully. Doug Jones is perfect. Yeah. For sure. So that's my number four. El numero tres. We should have, uh, you should have had somebody on the show who was going to fight with you. I think we basically agree on everything. Yeah, but this here. has always been our problem. I know. You know, this is a couple of always. white guys. So, always. <laughs> Jeez. well, we got, we got together and, and started working together because we both enjoy the show in a lot of similar ways. Yep. We enjoy the mythology. We enjoy the, the interconnectedness and the, the cast performances. Suppose, okay. Before you get to that, to, to, yeah. to hang a lantern on that, um, 
uh, not specifically a lantern, but uh, to 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 springboard off of that, I I was reading um, on the Stargate uh, uh, one of the Stargate Facebook forums the other day, and someone had come on and said, you know, why are you all so? It's a, it's it's a show that's been off the air for for over a decade now. Why are why are you all picking it apart so much? And I'm I'm not getting it all out correctly, but the, but the, the point, the kind of point that they were coming across was get a life. Yeah. Um, I've seen comments like that. And it's a, it's like, okay, why are you here? <laughs> That's how you truly feel. What are you doing here? And B it's like, it, it almost felt like they were trying to pick a fight, but the, a lot of the, um, like they were like, well, what, what does it matter if, you know, the, the Asgard's appearance changed from season three to, to you know, that, that earlier model to season seven? You know, what does it matter that the backstory says that, you know, they were potentially, um, you know, uh, refining their cloning technique. And so it was literally one form of clone versus another clone and little minutia like that. Why do y'all care about that? And the responses were very uh, thought out in that they were, the people were responding and saying, because the, A, there's a chance that we all may have missed something. So uh, trying to answer some of these more esoteric questions may lead to a greater understanding of the show in ways that we didn't realize before. And that's how I took it. It's like, maybe I missed something. You know, I uh, had a conversation with Joe Malazzi this past week. And, you know, we were talking about the scene in Unending where Daniel is consoling Vala, who's crying. And it's during Mm -hmm. the video montage. And I thought, man, they're just really struggling through this. And I sit with you in Robert C. Cooper's office and I Mm -hmm. learn, which you picked up on the intent immediately. And Robert was like, yeah, that was totally what it was. That, what was that? That scene was a a scene of mourning of a miscarriage. Yes. Yes. And so that's why who, we do this. Who had a kid, and, and I think at, at the time when that aired was working on a second kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's present in my mind and in the way that I experience television. Correct. And so that's why we do it. You know, to to rewatch something and rediscover it. I cannot tell you how many times I've sat down, and you will relate to this, and all of us will relate to this if we have ever rewatched anything. Sat down and rewatched something from when we were younger that still holds up as an adult, but we derive new meaning from it because of where we are in time. Oh yeah, that's great entertainment. That's great storytelling. It's going to catch you differently at a different angle based on where you are in your life mm-hmm. and what you need from it. What you need from it is very, that's a very clear point too. Number three now, sorry. Yeah, Stargate at its best. Okay, let's talk about, let's talk about humor on Stargate. Something that is very often cited by fans as a core element of what makes a good Stargate show, Stargate. Uh, An element of humor. Richard Dean Anderson brought this in spades for eight years on Stargate SG-1. SGU was criticized for being too dark and not funny enough. SGU by the end of two seasons has some of my favorite comedic beats in it. Uh, like in Hope with Volker's surgery. Oh man, that was fantastic. And that was not scripted. Yeah. Or and f- getting his, uh, iPod. Yes. Or getting uh, accidentally frozen in the, in the stasis chamber near the end of the show. Oh man. So uh, my number three is I want to, I want a serious show that doesn't take itself too seriously. Let me unpack this. I want to show that has a sense of adventure that is to some degree lighthearted. It's fun to go out and explore the galaxy, to find new things, meet new people, get into trouble. There's new opportunities every time that, that we go through the gate. I want, to sh- I want to show that avoids being overly grim and dour, which arguably, again, SGU was at least in its first season. It was very serious. The characters were fighting a lot. There was an outright coup. Uh, SG1? SGU? SGU. SGU. Did I say SG1? I'm not sure. I'll go back to the first season of SGU. Uh, So in that regard, right, more humor, more adventure, maybe a show more like SG1 and Atlantis. Mm. But on the other hand, I also want a serious show, right? I love The Expanse as a serious show that has great humor. But it's a show that takes itself and its mythology and its stories very seriously. The characters who live in that world are not always winking at the camera. And this I detect, you know, if we want to, again, look backwards and critique the, the shows that we love so much, I think the later years of SG-1 
the humor got a little on the nose. The mm. humor got a little corny. And I'm thinking of episodes here like Bounty. Mm. Like the whole uh, the whole high school reunion plot line was a little bit tongue in cheek for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, characters were- like and Jup. Tenet- you remember those yeah. guys? Yeah. Damn you, Cam Mitchell. Mitchell. Yeah, that's true. It's funny, but you know, it's a different kind of sense of humor than than RDA brought. It has comic book a comic book texture to it. Um where I, I think it has that balance of 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 that kind of humor and uh that kind of seriousness at the same time where if you if you let the pages speak to you, um it, it comes out serious, but also very much like, you know, God forbid we take our our villains too seriously, you know, which is kind of what they did a little bit more with the Ori at the end. But it sounds like what you're basically asking for yeah. is the best of SG-1 in the next show. The best of all of them, I think. Uh, okay. SG-1, Atlantis, and SGU all did this uh, in various degrees of success at various times in their lives. But yeah, for me, humor is an important part of Stargate, but uh, too much or the wrong humor, mm. humor that's a little bit too wink-wink, nudge-nudge, uh, kills the immersion, mm-hmm. honestly, the storytelling. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Good one. I like... Number two, I'm getting more specific in terms of past mythology here. This is something that I would like to see. Number two, reveal that the Vanir were used to resurrect the Asgard, ultimately. Now, bump the brakes and explain to us who the Vanir are again. The evil Asgard, the Pegasus Asgard. It's not mentioned on screen, but uh, fandom and particularly the novels have adopted that um, subset of uh, of Norse mythology, the 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 Aesir and all the others. Um, so I, I think, and Joseph Balazzi has strongly hinted at this that this was a distinct possibility that uh, you know had we had um, the Pegasus Asgard and the Asgard Core. Uh, we could have done some magic near the end there and reinstated the Asgard as a species. But it was, it was not something not that they only. had decided fa- that they decided absolutely okay. we were going to do. Um, but it, it was definitely on, uh, uh, in uh, Joe and Paul's awareness that this Good. was a thing. Because we I- not only with the veneer have a, a new base of genetic material for, for restarting the Asgard species, but also they're 10,000 years further down the road with their own cloning research. Right. They have, they, they a completely different. So if you, if we still have some original Asgard genetic material that um, uh, Heimdall was working with, if we could somehow couple that with the Vanir, I think that that would have a result, but a positive result, but I don't want necessarily the Asgard to be around anymore. Maybe the Asgard ascended. So I would like to see. Them. I feel about that. You don't know how you feel about that? I mean, I think the Asgard are important to the Stargate universe, and I'd love to see them back in some some way, shape, or form. Um, but yeah, they're another example of an ally that is OP. So the writers were having to come up with explanations for why the Asgard weren't always coming in to save the day. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know how I feel about the Asgard ascending. Well, I mean, if we if we don't want to keep on having excuses about the Asgard coming in and saving the day, but also, you know, having our cake and eating it too with the Asgard coming back, what do we do with them? Yeah. So. If you don't leave them extinct. And that was one of the problems that the, the show was always balancing. I don't know if it was a problem, but the fact that Earth was new to the mm. galaxy and was exploring and trying to figure its way out, right? That great line from Jack O'Neill in the fifth race, right? We're out there. We're doing the best we can. Uh, We want Earth to not be OP, to not be ruling the galaxy. But if there are if there are groups out there that are more powerful than Earth, well, what do we do with them? Either they're bad guys Mm -hmm. like the Ori, and we have to figure out how to conquer them, or they're potentially allies like the Asgard. They had to be kind of sidelined by their replicators. The ancients. We had to say that they have this non-interference directive. That's why they're not helping. Uh, or they're just disinterested, like the Nox. Also kind of a non-interference directive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we didn't see the Nox again after season three. So there were reference to them late in season three, and that was it. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, that's fair. All right. That's good. I like that. Number one. Number one brings us full circle back around to number 12. Uh, Number one, I want to see lots and lots of that big spinny puddle device. That that round thing. (laughs) That round thing. You plug in seven symbols or eight or sometimes nine. (laughs) And there's a kawoosh kind of flushes sideways and you get to go to another planet. Uh, I've criticized in the, the past some episodes and some later lines of storytelling that sidelined the Stargate in favor of Earth's fleet of ships. Uh, we could zip over to a planet and beam someone down. That opens up new kinds of storytelling possibilities, but it also kind of shuts the door. It closes on others. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, there were there were entire episodes where we never saw a Stargate, particularly in Atlantis. You know, because they didn't build a full one off world. Yeah. No, it's so fair. I'm going to see the Stargate. In fact, I'm going to institute a, a, a rule for the show. And I'm in charge. So this is the rule. <laughs> there should be no episode in which a Stargate never appears. Even if it's got to be a shot of a gate in the gate room over somebody's shoulder. I don't want to go 60 minutes without seeing a Stargate. Mm-hmm. Agreed. That was perhaps my biggest bone of contention with Atlantis. With SG one, with SG one, yes, that gate was a major part of the off-world activity. You take a look at Redemption Part One. Teal'c is, is with Ryak. They're 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 at the the funeral pyre for um, Teal'c's wife. Um, that gate is lit in the background, and in a lot of shots, it is out of focus. Yeah, but it is present. They had a physical prop. Correct. It is present as a character. With Atlantis, you don't get that. You get a DHD. You know, this was this was a, a cost-cutting thing. Uh, it was yeah. a trade-off with having access to a puddle jumper a lot, so it could take us further afield, which I got. You know, that was one of the issues that I had with uh, with SG One, particularly. You know, you take a look at an episode like Korai with with the the people of Cartago. Their settlement is right next to the friggin'. Uh, 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 circle of woes or whatever they call it, Circa at that point, you know, it made sense that uh, the, the, uh, the human settlements uh, in the Pegasus galaxy would be pretty far away from the, uh, the Stargates there. So that made sense. I got that, you know, and of course the Wraith would call with darts. So distance yeah. was really no issue. Um, but it did make sense for SG-1. It- if the most of these civilizations that we encountered were transplanted from Earth through the Stargate, yeah. that their settlements would be close to the Stargate. Yeah. Once, I mean, they had a chance to get away from Gould occupation at, at any degree, get the heck out of there. Um, now, I, I'm sure you could make an in-universe argument that those civilizations that tried to do that were punished by the Gould in some way. So that is fair. Um, but the bigger civilizations, obviously, that, that we saw, like Tegalus, that had grown out a bit more, were those where the Gould were no longer around. Right, exactly. For centuries or, or mm-hmm. potentially millennia. But I completely agree with you. Make the Stargate a character in its own right of the show as important yeah. as the lead. I love seeing puddle jumpers. I love the space gates as, yep. a, as a conceit in, in Atlantis. Yep. Uh, and I liked being able to go farther afield on a planet. It was really SGU where I started to notice this uh, because it was a show that was set on a ship. It was a show that was not about exploring planets or meeting other civilizations. So the, yeah, the Stargate very much kind of felt like a prop that we would use when we had to, mm-hmm. but it didn't necessarily need to be there because mm-hmm. we also had shuttles. Yep. Absolutely. Very good list, man. Okay. I like it. I like it. Absolutely. This this was entertaining. And the fact that we had, had no overlaps. Very good. You know, we, we had the honorable mentions. We had the uh, we had the core uh core twelve. Uh I hope you have uh, been entertained by this as much as we certainly have. And yeah, that's uh that's a good approach. I really hope Brad didn't watch. <laughs> Not because I want him to implement these things, but, you know, because some of our ideas are really not that great. So in terms of... Well, I hope Amazon is listening. There are a bunch of nerds all over the world who want Stargate. On that point. Want a new Stargate now that is is created by Brad Wright and in this universe that we love. Yep. Absolutely. I completely 100% concur. And hire us to help. 
<laughs> we're, we're available for we are. consulting and bar mitzvahs. <laughs> That's all right. Exactly. <laughs> Very good. We will have a communique. All right. Well, I appreciate you stopping by once again. And uh, it means a lot to me to have you here, especially for a part of a discussion like this. And, Always glad yeah. to do it. All right, man. We got to do trivia again at some point. Oh, yes. Yeah. I'll reach out to you to to, to work on that for the month of June. Let's solidify that. June. I'm to get my title back. I lost my title the last time we did it. Oh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, she was pretty good. So we'll have to we'll have to see. Um, but yeah, we'll uh, we'll we'll definitely do another one and we'll invite the whole band uh, back together to uh, to do another episode. So appreciate you stopping by. Cool. Keep up the good work. I'm Thanks, watching. Man. My thanks to Darren Sumner for joining me for this episode. Really appreciate him uh, him joining in and and uh, uh, stopping by. So we uh, we get along like a house on fire. It's like it was back in you know when I started talking to him in two thousand one, two thousand, and it's just uh, something that continues to this day. Dial the Gate is brought to you every week for free, and we do appreciate you watching. But if you want to support the show further, buy yourself some of our themed swag. All right. So we are offering t-shirts, tank tops, sweatshirts, and hoodies for all ages in a variety of sizes and colors at Redbubble. And we currently offer four themed designs and hope to add more in the future. Checkout is fast and easy, and you can even use your Amazon or PayPal account. Just visit dialthegate.redbubble.com. And thanks so much for your support. Robert C. Cooper is joining us at 2 p.m. Pacific time to discuss Atlantis from A to Z or Z for all of you McKay fans out there. My big thanks, tremendous thanks to Tracy, Keith, Jeremy, Reese, Anthony, and welcome back, Summer, uh, as well, my moderating team, and my production assistants, Jennifer Kirby, and my co-producer, Linda Gate-Gaber-Fury. You guys make the show go around. My name is David Reed for Dial the Gate. Thanks so much for tuning in. Hope you stick around for, for the fascinating discussion ahead with Robert C. Cooper. We'll see you on the other side. Dial the Gate is hosted and executive produced by David Reed. The producer is Darren Sumner. Co-produced by Linda Fury. The composer is Neil Acree. Animations by Bryce Ors. The production assistant is Jennifer Kirby. Moderators include Summer Roy, Keith Homel, Tracy Noller, Jeremy Heiner, Reese M., and Anthony Rowling. Logo design by Deborah J. Bell. Additional effects by Thomas Tots, with contributions by model makers Chris Baker, Stephen Barr, Kevin Zabo, and Tom Paris. The archivists are Linda Fury, Zachary Adams, and Fred Eric Marcoux. For general inquiries for submissions, please contact us at dialthegateshow at gmail.com. Visit our website for the upcoming schedule, as well as an archive of our past episodes, at dialthegate.com. Dial the Gate.